Craft Beer Radio, episode 354, on October 24th, 2015. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, 35421. Yeah. Anyway, we have... <laughs> I was trying to figure out what you were going for there. Well, there are a bunch of numbers. There... We have five beers for you on this fine October Eve thing. <laughs> yes, we're nailing this intro. Very good. Yes, we do. Let's uh, let's drink this Darktoberfest first. So this is, you uh, recently went up to Saranac and you got this beer. Saranac, Saranac. Saranac, yes. And you got this beer. This is Darktoberfest, which, let me look at the details here. Not much in here. <laughs> okay. I, I went to the to page that has it, but it didn't have much about it. Cool. I'm guessing it's an Oktoberfest. It looks a lot darker than you would normally oh, expect. It's an Oktoberfest. Dark- so it's called Darktoberfest. So it says, uh, with Munich malts providing its deep reddish copper color and bigger, richer character, this oh, Oktoberfest truly embraces the dark side. So yeah, they just uh, okay, I got it. over Munich did, you know. So Malps, Munich, Dark Munich, Pilsner, and Karen Munich. <laughs> Three mm-hmm. Munichs in there. And Magnum, Hillertau, Minofro, Hops. All right, so the beer pours kind of a cola color. It's it's a pretty dark brown with a little red, high, like kind of a red tint to it. Very clear. Mm-hmm. The smell is a big... Big roasty, kind of decocted type yeah. smell it has a big rich. When you say decocted, so a decoction mash is where you um, apply heat to the mash. Uh, traditionally, you would add some. You would take some of the grains out and boil them, and then okay. add those back in to raise the heat. And the act of boiling those grains adds a lot of caramelization and melanoid right. and stuff. So it's a certain flavor. Doppelboxer decoction mashed. Box, most box are, but Doppelbox in particular. And that's kind of the smell that I'm getting in I this. See. But it does have this yummy, bready smell. Yes. Like a, it's a, it's not it's not really toffee or caramel. It's certainly distinctly bready, but it's this kind of this rich, uh, caramelized bread, if, if you can kind of get there. Um, think of, like, white bread crust. But then imagine that being, like twice as um dark you know twice as caramelly but not be not burned right but kind of richer and just more uh, formidable i mean if you take a, a very sweet bread and you toast it okay you're going yeah. to get these characteristics with that because it's going to not just make the uh, melanoid and stuff that gets from the starches but you're also going to get a lot of sugars mm-hmm. to caramelize and turn into these uh, i mean the starches are sugars but mm-hmm. you're going to get these are simple sugars as well, so you're going to get these sweet flavors along with the uh, slightly different flavors you get from right. toasted starches. You can also get a little bit of hopping on the aroma, too. I can't really get anything distinct, like what kind of hops or anything like that, but you can smell a little hoppiness on the aroma. Then you go on to the flavor, and the first thing you are is you're greeted with this um, really rich caramel, or this kind of toffee um, breadiness again. Um this beer's not quite cold enough. It's a little on the warm side. It's in the fridge for about two hours, but then we had like an hour-long pre-show. 
<laughs> and uh, so it's warmed up a little more than it should have. Yeah, I think that's. I think you're right because I think the warmness is kind of taking away from this beer just a little bit. So keep that in mind yeah. as you're as you're reviewing it. What it's doing is it's, it's making the hops a bit more bit more yeah. pronounced, and it's yeah. it's providing a sort of a slightly uh, greenish character, mm-hmm. uh, you know, slightly more. Um, uh, vegetable character than you would normally expect just because of the warmness of the, yeah. of the beer. If you were drinking this, you know, so right now we're probably drinking this at, well, let's see, not probably, we are drinking this at about 58, 59 yeah. degrees. And it's in the lager, right? It's an Oktoberfest. So this thing is like way too warm. So we're going to uh, talk about what it would taste like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think both Greg and I can figure out what parts of the flavor are coming from the warmth. I think there, there's a <coughs> warmth magnifies that sort of noble twang that we talked about, mm-hmm. right? So you, you get yeah. something that, that is a little it can it can come off a little bit metallic, it can come off yeah. a little green. Uh, I agree with you that the, the hops are coming forward more than they would yeah. if this beer was served colder, and it kind of is detracting from that really rich Munich and, and uh, the cockpit type flavors. Yeah, so it was really cool. Um, went up to Saranac. Uh, so Heather and I went last weekend to the Bed and Brew. The, the Inn at Cooperstown, which is a bed and breakfast, has a thing that they do pretty much once a month through the fall and in the spring where they do a bed and breakfast Omegang beer thing. So not too many events. Friday night when you check in, there's a bottle share. So you bring some beer, everyone you meet, meet and greet, drink a bunch of good beers, whatnot. And then um, Saturday night is the tour of the brewery, uh, a kind of guided beer tasting of a lot of their beers, and then a five-course dinner paired with beer. And uh, also part of the room is this uh, three-liter Jeroboam of three philosophers that's signed by the brewer. Uh, it was a really cool bed and breakfast, and I'll talk about that more in a little bit, but I won't talk about Saranac right now. So we were driving up there, and I didn't realize, like I didn't plan ahead, I didn't realize that like I was like, within five minutes driving past the brewery. I'm like, well, crap. So I sent an email to my contacts at Saranac, and we don't have a really good contact at Saranac mm-hmm. right now because uh, Megan, who was like our really good contact, she went. She works for the uh, Utica Tourism Council now, um, or Chamber of Commerce or something. But um, so I got a hold, and I'm, you know, I kind of said the same thing I said when I met Steve Hindy in Brooklyn. Like, you know, I'm driving through Utica. I know it's really short notice, but if Nick Matt, you know, the president of FX Matt Brewing Company, you know, he, he you know, he mentioned before, you know, let him know if we're ever going to be in town. So uh, Nick made time in his schedule. We didn't get there till about um, four thirty or so mm-hmm. on a Friday, and he made time and he showed us around the brewery and. One of the things that was like most startling about the tour and about Nick himself is how proud he was because it's a fourth generation or he's a third generation family owned brewery. And when he took over the brewery, it was in, you know, the deepest, darkest regional brewery of the eighties moment, right? Where, you know, breweries are closing left and right. They were at their, you know, within, you know, a few inches of probably closing themselves and you know he and it was a tough fight at the beginning and you know and he's brought it to what it is and you could just see how proud he was and how he saved the family company and whatnot and um 
it was just a really cool tour. You know, we talk about Saranac a lot on the show, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the White IPA was one that I liked quite a bit, and, and other beers. Um, big Brew House, they have two brew kettles, they're, um, I think they're 500 barrels each. They have, they don't have a louder, a mash ton, louder ton. They have this, um, oh, what's it called? It's, um, it's like a mash press, I think they call it. So they have the, um, kind of the, uh, the, the grain cooker. So kind of like a heated, like maybe that's the mash done, but then they pump all the wort into this big accordion thing, which has kind of filters between it. And it has these hydraulic presses and it kind of like, it's like squeezing okay, out before squeeze. I've never seen it in a brewery. It's the first time I've seen one of these. I remember seeing it in Japan and, uh, Oh, okay. They have yeah, a whole bunch of filters. That, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That it goes through, and that's how they filter yeah. out the stuff. And it yeah. squeezes it. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen one of those before, but that's what FX Matt uses. And um, yeah, and then you know, at the end of the tour, Nick went up to the taste room. We're just tasting beers and what it was. It was really cool. And uh, I mean, it's it's a cool brewery tour. Check it out. I mean, not everyone's going to get the president of 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 FX Matt <laughs> Brewing Company to. Um, to give you, you know, a one-on-one tour, but uh, it was pretty neat. That reminds me. Uh, first of all, we should talk <coughs> about the beers. This is Saranac uh, Darktoberfest. I, I think it's it's nice. I think, like you said, make sure it doesn't get really above uh, fifty degrees. I think that's yeah, that's probably good. You can, you can grab it right out of the fridge and maybe warm it up for ten minutes, and it should be fine. But yeah, I do like the dark mm-hmm. the dark malts that were there, um, and uh, it's pretty decent. I'm going to be in Seattle. For most of next week, Tuesday nice. through Saturday. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much time I have on Saturday, but Tuesday through Friday, I'll be doing stuff on Wednesday through Friday during the day. But that doesn't mean that during the night I can't run out and find some breweries. So the question right. is, where should I go? I haven't been to Seattle since 2004, so my information's quite dated. Um, I, you know, but from when I went, one of the ones I really want to check out. It's near the. It's in the University District. It's called Big. Time Brewery. Okay, um, that's probably the one that I would say is most most worth checking out. Uh, you got Hales Ales out there, mm-hmm. which is uh, open fermenters, more English styles, but they do some pretty hoppy West Coast stuff too. But that's a pretty interesting place. Um, lots of places. I mean, and I'm sure there's a ton that I don't even aren't familiar with. Um, you should see if you could hook up with. Um, <laughs> oh, not Elysian, but um, ah, ah, what? Why can't I think of his name right now? Beer drinker of the year. Uh, oh, Schmidlin, Tom Schmidlin. Schmidlin, Tom Schmidlin. Yeah, you should let him know you're going. See yeah. what he's up to. <clears throat> Maybe I will. Well, what, what is that place in Seattle that has beer drinker? What is that? It well, is Seattle. No, that right? was Winku. Oh, it's White. Yeah, okay. In Denton, Denver. So, right. Yeah, but you should talk. You should hook up with Tom if you can, and. uh have him show you around or any listener in seattle greg needs greg needs a tour guide that has been in seattle more recently than 11 (laughs) years ago (laughs) what beer do we do next um uh, i guess we do this bar palettes before we ruin it yeah yeah i guess so okay so we're moving to fatheads Hop Stalker Fresh Hop IPA. This is a seasonal. Pick this up at the beer distributor. 
The hop varieties vary. The malts that are used are pale C15 and carapils. 7% alcohol by volume, 80 IBUs, so 70 plus. If you're able to uh, check out, you know, without spending too much time, if you look at Fathead's Twitter, you'll I think you'll find a tweet talking about what hops they use in this. Okay. I remember seeing that somewhat recently. Yeah, I had a hop stalker last year. I had it at uh, Stokes Grill near uh, on McKnight. I thought it came in a pounder can last year, but... Uh, Maybe that's a false thought. Maybe I'm confusing it with Trailhead or something. Um, but I did have Hopstarker last year. And when I saw like kind of tweets and stuff that it was out, I called the local beer distributor to see if I could get some. And they only got five cases in the first uh, the first allocation, and they were all spoken for. And then Heather went to go to the beer store to get something for the bottle share I just mentioned about the bed and breakfast. And I was, I was going to bring Headhunter. Figured, you know, a lot of people easterly, you know, can't get that. And it's a world-class IPA. And then I had Heather ask if uh, they had a hop stalker or if any of the allocated cases had gone not picked up. And they said they actually got a, a new allocation. Ten more cases were coming in the next day. So I put in dibs for it. The thing is, I was a little surprised. It was uh, $75 for the case of beer. Wow. So I sold half of it to my neighbors here on the street <laughs> to defray the costs. All right, the aroma on this. Well, it pours a uh, clear gold, moderate head that falls down uh, after you tell that story. And the uh, the aroma is smash you in the phrase, face. It's kind of citrusy. You get a grapefruit pith. You get uh, something that's a little bit dank. You know, there's like Simcoe in there. Definitely there's some dankness. The uh, grapefruit flavor is so juicy and saturated. It almost like feels... So what reminded me of Greg is kind of like, uh, he's trying to find a tweet, but he's listening. Uh, you know, like when you like have like a popsicle and you're kind of drinking the juice off of it, how it's like kind of like saturated. It doesn't that kind of smell like what that, like that grapefruit popsicle would taste like if you like had that kind of juice saturation I'm talking about, but it was grapefruit. Kind of. I guess. I don't know. Um, okay. It definitely has a grapefruit quality to it. I'm just trying to compare it to sort of the popsicle after stuff. I'm not sure okay. if if I if I quite follow your your okay. whole straight. Okay, just when I smell it, it kind of really took me there. Like if you get like maybe like a maybe like a, a a pineapple frozen fruit bar or something like that, and you kind of replace the pineapple with grapefruit. That's kind of like the where it was taking me to. Hmm. Uh, YCH hops. That's that's the hop farm. That I think that's the. It has a Y, a C, and an H in it. I think that's the order. Um, is the hop firm they use for this. Uh, and it's tied in with the tweet that I'm imagining. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't find anything, so there's no point in, in me searching okay. anymore. Yeah, don't worry about it, man. Enjoy the beer. This is a hop stalker from Fatheads. They call it deliciously dank, so you should, you know, mm-hmm. know what you're getting into. Uh, they say also at the bottom here, piney, yes, resiny, yes, citrusy, yes. Dangerous, absolutely. <laughs> uh <clears throat> So that means when they say piney resinous, that means you should expect Chinook. Uh, you should expect things like uh, Amarillo or Simcoe. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting now that I'm used to like kind of um now that I've smelled the grapefruit and tasted the grapefruit. Now when I smell it and taste it, I'm getting more towards the resiny and the piney. You know, it's almost like okay, you saw Act One, here's Act Two. 
What I'm, what I'm not getting like is is Citra. I'm not getting you know a yeah, Citra bit. Right. Uh, I'm not getting things like Galaxy or Mosaic. Feels, or it stuff. It's, feels yeah. more old school. Yeah. And and it's a fresh hop ale, but it doesn't have that kind of grassy character to it, right? It's all very bright. It doesn't have any of that long clipping grassy character that a lot of harvest ales have. So like if you weren't if you're just drinking this and trying to classify a lot of harvest ales, you can taste mm-hmm. that kind of gritty grassiness. This doesn't really have it. I mean, other than maybe some of that loopling grittiness is kind of on my tongue now, but I'm not noticing anything particularly harvesty. Yeah, it's it. pretty bright. Doesn't have as much scratchiness as you might expect from yeah. a from a dry hopped uh, or wet hop beer. Um, it does have a lot of kind of in your face uh, bitterness and resiny qualities to it. Dank, uh, it, it's less dank than you might expect. Right? It doesn't really have, it's, it, it's not dirty. It doesn't have a lot of sulfur. Yeah. Well, it, there's some dankness, sulfur, but I, I mean, the label says deliciously dank. Yeah. And that kind of gives you a different expectation that I'm getting. It, it's not making the beer suck well, at I mean, all. I, whenever something says delicious, I, pay, I just I don't pay attention to it. So, um, Well, I was replacing the word with delicious with intense or something like that, like intensely dank. But it's not really intensely. It's it's just there's some dankness, but it's not really the lead. Really, the citrus is kind of the lead. That grapefruity type citrus. It's yeah, it's it's pretty tasty. It's like for for a beer that has these kind of flavors, it's definitely one of the better ones. Still, it's a bit it's a bit too much of that. For me, it's a bit too much of that resiny stuff, and now a few sips into it, I'm kind of like I'm kind of like getting tired of it. Okay, uh, but for what it is, I think it's, it's a well done at expressing those flavors without me feeling like a, a great example of a beer that does what this does uh, and goes overboard is uh, American Bastard. I think that takes this kind of dankness. And really pushes it into sort of a almost syrupy resiny quality okay. that sticks around, whereas this doesn't have that syrupy quality to it. It does have that dankness, and that will stay around if you keep sipping it, but it won't overwhelm. I like this beer. I like this a lot. You know, um, been on a hop kick as of late, and this one just is such a satisfying drink for me. It's it's giving me a lot of the notes I want. Sure, it'd be nice to have some galaxy or something like that, but you know, life is full of variety, and this, while it tastes more like a more classic IPA with more classic hop varieties, um, it's really good. And again, you know, we're so lucky that we can get all these fatheads in town because fatheads makes amazing. I, I want to be clear. I, I'm not saying the beer is bad. In fact, I think the beer is very good. Sure, not. It's just in my in my opinion, if, if you know. Purely on my judge, I would rather have a beer that gives me those things. But if you want a beer like this, and I'm happy that beers okay. like this so, exist. So I'm happy I... that they're available. Sure, sure. So do you have a clear enough recollection? This or Headhunter? Headhunter. Headhunter easy? Yeah, okay. easy. Headhunter's brighter, doesn't have this kind mm-hmm. of, this big resiny hit to it. Yeah, easy. It's an easy. Okay. It's, it'd be tougher for me. Um... I don't have to choose, so I won't. You don't have to. He made me choose. <laughs> well, because, you know, I just was wondering how you thought, you know, across the two. For right, me, it's... But I'm going to make you choose now. This or Headhunter? 
I don't want to drink only one. That's my problem. Which one you, do you I, have to which choose? Which one do I prefer? I think it depends on my mood. It's hard, it's hard to say. They're they're both excellent. So Jeff can't make a choice. No. All right. I refuse to choose on that one. So we have. It, it's kind of like it, it's almost like the "What's your favorite beer?" question. It's like it depends on my mood which one I like better. I'm asking you to choose between two. I'm not saying. Yeah, I know, but it depends on my mood which one I like better. All right, so you want to do the frambozen or the fat jack? They're both fruit beers, right? I mean, yeah, I think the fat jack's gonna have more spice to it, right? So maybe we should do the frambozen. Okay, so this has been in your fridge for God knows how long. <laughs> it's been in the fridge for at least five years. Yeah, <laughs> this is a. Oh, yeah, turn me up there. Framboise. From Leafman's. This is their Raspberry Lambic. Uh, yeah, there's probably no dating on this bottle. Yeah. It's 330 milliliter. Looks like this Cajun corked. It's green, but it, it was surrounded by paper. And I doubt it has much in the way of hops in there. This anyway. uh, Jeroboam from Omegang is a green bottle. And when we walked into the room, it was sitting on the table like at the window. Now, granted, it's not a hoppy beer. It's a dark beer. Yeah. So, but, you know, as soon as I realized that, like, I hid it away in the corner of the yeah. room. Wouldn't that suck to, like, get... That know, would really suck. Yeah. If, if, I mean, if if you actually purchase this, right? Right. Yeah. So, I, I'm not sure. I don't think... Oh, my gang only fills the Jeroboam's for this bed and breakfast or, like, for this bread and breakfast and maybe one other thing. Right. You know, they don't do these very often. Because they're talking about their bottling and how they bottle their big bottles and stuff. I'm like, how you know? What I, I figured the Jeroboams were going to be a manual Do we process. Have a xylosic fit in this? No, I don't think we can. <laughs> I don't think we can reseal, reseal the Jeroboam. I hope I'm saying that right. Is that on a pronunciation site? How do you spell it? Uh, J e r a b o a m or something like that. Maybe it's J e r e b o a m. Let me see. Let me do a Google search. It's a it's the same word they use yeah. for champagne bottles. Jeroboam. <laughs> that sounds like a Yinzer. Sounds like a Pittsburgher right there. Jeroboam. Jeroboam. Yeah, here's the or this sound like sort of Hank Hill. Listen to this. Jeroboam. This is Gerald Bone. Yeah, I'm not going to rank. You think he's uh, put too much credit in his pronunciation. Jeroboam. Jeroboam. I can say that. Okay, so this color is... It actually is remarkably similar in color to the the Darktoberfest. Uh, Although it does... I mean, it's more ruby highlights, but it's it's, it's pretty dark. It's just as brown with probably just as much red highlights to it. The aroma on it is pretty raspberry. Very um, concentrated raspberry with a, mm-hmm. a kind of um, a kind of sweet molassesy uh, texture to that aroma. This so a condensed kind of uh, aroma. It, it, it's more jam-like in terms of the aroma you might get from something as opposed to just like fresh raspberries. So this is actually... But not medicine-y. 
This is actually a 12-ounce bottle. It's 355 oh. milliliters. It's interesting. The label says Belgian beer fermented with raspberries. It says minimum 200 grams of raspberries per liter. Okay. 4% alcohol by volume. Along with the raspberries, as you smell it, you're getting a little bit of... Um, something that's a little bit cocoa-y. Uh, it's huge, it's big yeast, just like huge slug. Well, that's probably all kinds of other yeah. proteins in there. I mean, that's that's a thick, dark sludge of raspberry yeah. pectin and and things like that as well. Um, kind of something that's I want to say it's almost like borderline tobacco in the aroma, like leading up to tobacco. Yeah, you're not you're not out of the off the reservation. Mm-hmm. You got to work to get behind that concentrated raspberry yeah. aroma to get into the other tidbits. Ooh. All right. The flavor, um, first sip, pretty good. It wasn't as cloyingly sweet as you might expect. I wasn't expecting to be sweet. A little bit of tartness there. you know, And the tartness actually dries out on your tongue as you uh, talk about the beer. Um, the, the kind of the chocolate covered cherries or the cherry cordial flavor kind of mm-hmm. comes through. What it has is, is it has a, instead of being a very sour lambic or mm-hmm. a particularly sweet lambic, it's really a nice and drinkable, um, kind of a, a slightly tart sort of fruit punch aspect to it. I guess it, it has a little bit of that high C quality. <laughs> I don't mean that to, I mean, in terms of drinkability, in terms of like, there's definitely fruit coming through here and it feels, feels fruity as opposed to feeling medicine or anything else. I think it's, uh, I think it's very drinkable. It's, I think it's a very well done fruit beer. So Leafman's is, uh, this is kind of fortuitous. I didn't even make this connection until just now. Leafman's is a Duval Morgan, uh, brewery. And, um. So is Albany. And so was Oma Gang. So one of the beers we tasted was the Cuvée Brut, which was a Leafman's beer. And I forgot that it was Leafman's, you know, and that was kind of um, a cherry. Um, tasted much like this, but with the cherry. And they actually used some of that beer in the Three Philosophers. Um, like that uh, 2% ale uh, with, uh, what's it say, ale with cherries added. Mm-hmm. That's actually Leafman's beer. Mm. Not so it's a creek. Yeah. Well, it's it's ninety eight percent ale and two percent ale with cherries added, right? So three philosophers uses two percent of a beer that they get from Leafman's. I see. Another thing I found about Oma Gang, I you know, of course they spice Witta with coriander and orange peel. But they spice everything in very low levels. Hennepin has coriander and orange peel and I want to uh, something else, but Abbey has cumin in it. Hmm. And I just never realized that they spiced, especially Hennepin and Abbey. So it was very interesting. Had a great tour. I forget the head brewer's name. I have to look it up. But um, he normally doesn't do these tours. He's never done. Actually, he's never done one of these tours. And the guy who was supposed to do it was sick. So our our backup mm-hmm. was the head brewer. <laughs> So that was pretty awesome, and you know, I had you know had a little talk with him, but asked some good questions. Uh, I was surprised how small Umagang is. Why? 
I would have expected them to be on the scale of like Victory or Great Lakes. And they're not that big. What's that? Yeah, they're not that big. They're no, no, they're much, much smaller. I mean, their brew house is only a little bit bigger than East End's brew house. You know, I think I would say it's like a thirty barrel four vessel brew house. Wow. They don't have very much indoor fermentation space. Just a couple unitanks. But then they have four uh, towers outside, which I think are split into multiple tanks. And then on the other side, in the the, the iconic picture of Omegang, which is that little, it's this thing on the side here, kind of this mm-hmm. little uh, farm, Belgian's farm style brewery. That's that's the brewery. Brew house is on the, le- on the right side. Bottling line's on the left side. There's a little tunnel in the middle where the driveway is. And... Um, and that's it, except for the outside fermenting tanks. And I just because Omegang has always been in Pittsburgh and always been omnipresent, I just expected a larger brewery. But no, it was a really cool tour, really good dinner. Awesome. It, so it, what do you think about this, this creek? This, this, uh, just just one more thing real quick. If anyone's interested, the, Cooper's, the Inn at Cooperstown has the bed and brew. And uh, it's a pretty cool bed and breakfast. We had some people that flew in from Chicago. To do it, some people from Michigan came, so uh, it's pretty good. All different levels of beer geekdom, you know. I, I was probably one of the geekiest people there, and there were some people that were pretty newbie, but you know, we all talked, had a great conversation. It was a good time. Sweet. Speaking of time, you know what time it is. What time is it, Greg? Oh, let's discuss how you can support the show. I think a good way to support the show is when you're shopping online and you're like, inevitably, you're going to see how much that thing costs on Amazon because you got free prime shipping or whatever. But don't go to Amazon.com. That is a fatal flaw in your shopping experience. Your experience will be much better if you go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon because it takes you right through to Amazon and it looks just the same, but... Our referral link is tagged in there, and you shop, 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 check out, and cost you nothing more, and you help support the show. And it's important that every time you start your Amazon shopping, to go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. If that's too long, you can go to craftbeerradio.com slash A. You can do that, too. It's not that much shorter, but it is shorter. So if your time is very important, craftbeerradio.com slash A. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Who has supported us and continues to support us. <coughs> it's like that choice. Sure. <laughs> She's seen Greg dancing. It was, it was a nice uh, nice interlude for me. Mm. That was very good. Yeah, I mean, for a very fruity Belgian beer. That's old. Well, you would think that, like, all that... Crap that's on the bottom mm-hmm. of the bottle. That thick sludge on the bottom of the bottle. That's probably cloyingly sweetness. Like It's possible. We should get a, <laughs> some sort of stick it, and it, see what it It might have it. turned bitter in the meantime. It's possible. But it, that is like probably like all the foo-foo mm-hmm. that sank to the bottom. And now it's turned into a pretty nice beer. I, uh, <coughs> I kind of I went through it like crazy. I just downed it. I thought it was great. I'm working on it here. I don't want to drink it too fast, but... Time is a evil dog. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I just dropped the glass almost. Finger slipped off the stem. Time is a harsh mistress. 
Okay, so we should then move on to our next fruit slash spice beer, which is uh, sent to us by Sam Adams. This is their Fat Jack. It is a it's a pumpkin, a double pumpkin, a double pumpkin, double pumpkin all the way. So, a double pumpkin, what? A double pumpkin, something. Ale brewed with pumpkin and spices. They use East Kent Gildings and Fuggles for the hops. The uh, malts that are used are the two-row pale malt blend. There's their their uh, proprietary one. A rye special B and smoked malt. They use their ale yeast. 8.5% alcohol by volume. Their special ingredients, real pumpkin, as opposed to false pumpkin. Cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, and allspice. So this is a spice beer that happens to have some pumpkin inside of it. Yes, well, smell it. And you didn't really have to read the label or the marketing. That is Spice City. Spice City, here we come. Cinnamon's big, nutmeg's pretty big. Yeah, I think cinnamon's kind of the main, uh... What you doing? What you doing, Greg? Greg's plugging his phone in. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. We discovered Diddy this weekend, <laughs> and uh, that's uh, yeah, that's Diddy. That's a Diddy. Give me the wire. Turn off. It's gonna make a sound if I. Yeah. Alright. I'm not gonna play it right now, but I'll play my crafty radio here in a moment. <laughs> All right. So back to the beer. It certainly is is less expensive than you know buying people singing stuff on Fiverr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll replace our... Design. Yeah. It, well, it's quicker turnaround. <laughs> you don't have to, like, work so hard to stay within the $5 mm-hmm. limit. It's all post-show stuff, so... Done. All right, yeah, so it smells like Spice Bomb. Yes. Flavor? Looks like, uh, it looks brownish. It's a lot darker than we'd expect a pump. You know what your average vision of a pumpkin beer is. Hmm. It's not too bad on the flavor. No, it wasn't. I was expecting to be like, yeah, I I, I like the spice blend on the flavor. It nothing is really like punching me in the face. It's kind of more casual blend. Some people accuse uh, Sam Adams of toning it down too much. In in this case, with this style, that might be no. the right... Do you want to check out all? Because Sam Adams sent us three different pumpkin beers. I, I, we, <laughs> we will probably do at least one of the other ones. But... Um, as a spiced beer, I'm not like... I'm not, I'm not overwhelmingly against it. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't give me much more than a spice beer, though. And to me, I'm just not huge on spice beers and or, or this kind of spice beer in general. I find the, the tend to be a little. It, it's it's a little like it's leaning too much on ginger, and it has the the allspice is kind of just giving it. it, it I think the allspice might be. I don't know. It's just just think five spice in a beer, and it's that's kind of what you're getting. <laughs> Whoa, that was an interesting sound that came out of my throat. Um, so the maltiness of this is kind of, it's very complimentary to the spices. And I want to talk about the maltiness a little bit. It's its pretty caramelly, but it's, and it's its fairly on the sweet side, but it really works in balance here. It doesn't come across as too sweet. It doesn't come across as not sweet enough, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is, it's a fine pumpkin beer. But again, the third law of Craft Beer Radio is the idea of a pumpkin beer is always well, better than the actuality of a pumpkin you beer. You say it's a fine pumpkin beer. Where's the pumpkin? That's... Where, name me a pumpkin beer where you don't say that. There there have been a few, but the point is, it seems silly to call these pumpkin beers. Yes, there are pumpkin in here, but you're not, you're not tasting any pumpkin. It is like finding a unicorn finding a pumpkin beer that tastes like the gourd i'm just saying like if if you have a beer it's it, remember what we have with the buddha's hand and mm-hmm. we were like well where's the buddha's hand right and if you don't know then to call it something it seems but we know what pumpkin tastes like and I mean, it's not there but it's it... it's pumpkin pie beer right <laughs> sure you know, it's pumpkin spice flavors, but it's not pumpkin flavored. Right, but the whole the whole uh, origin of the third law is that the idea of pumpkin pie and beer. I, I've been, I'm I'm so jaded that it doesn't even sound good to me anymore. But like native, like intuitively, back then it's like, oh, that should be an awesome combination. That should be like chocolate and peanut butter, <laughs> and it, it it never is. No, almost never is. So that's that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say the third law and and you know the idea of a pumpkin beer is because before I got too jaded and beat down by the system of pumpkin beers, uh, it just sounded like a perfect he- match in heaven. <laughs> just thinking, man, those pumpkin beers have so much privilege, and they're just using <laughs> to, to hurt us. Well. You know, the 2016 pumpkin beers are just around the corner, so... That's true. And I'm not joking, because Rogue's going to put one out in, like, March, so... Uh, it It's... What, what is it? it? It's the 24th, right? So by the time I get back, next Saturday, it'll be the 31st. The very next day, I expect to hear Christmas music. <laughs> Once Halloween's over, that's when Christmas shopping season begins. Final beer for the evening is a uh, bottle of from Stone Brewing called Old Guardi- Old Guardian. This is the 2014 release. See, they should make a, a Old pumpkin Gordian. barley wine called Old Guardian. That'd be good. Um, this the, is the, 20- the Lost Abbey uses gourd in the name. What do they call it? They call it. Uh, I'll try to think of it. Gordon Shumway. <laughs> That's a good name for a pumpkin beer. <laughs> That's Alf's name. For or you could call it the Gordian Knot. The Gordian Knot, or you could do that. 
Gordon Freeman, Half Life. Uh yeah. Gordon from Sesame Street. Head crabs. G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> <laughs> Pumpkin beer in five words or less. <laughs> Hashtag wars. All right, so this is actually the 2014 version of Old Guardian. Yes. So the what I have up on the stone site is the 2015 version. I hope the numbers are relatively, uh, relatively similar. <clears throat> 11.2% occupied volume, 80 IBUs. 11.6 IBUs, not listed on the front. Lots and lots of words on the back, penned by Greg Cook. Hmm. Let me see, let me see the back. I'm surprised it says tons and tons of barley for the ingredients. I mean, maybe, maybe literally they did... Brew it with more than uh, 4,000 pounds of barley in a batch, but. Because, you know, TTB is pretty, pretty tough on ingredients. Um, back in the day, Worldwide Stout from Dogfish had a slogan. Uh, like, it was. Jesus Christ. They said the beer was brewed with vim and vigor and a ridiculous amount of barley. And they actually had to take markers and cross out the vim and vigor, the blackout, the vim and vigor on every label so they could sell it. And then they changed the label. And then the other story at East End is they had a coffee beer and they wanted to call it Eye Opener. But the TTB wouldn't approve the label because that was a claim that this product would literally open your eyes. So you can't call a beer yeah. eye opener. So I'm just surprised the ingredients here says tons and tons of barley, unless they could prove they used like four thousand pounds of barley in a batch or something like that. Uh, what I find interesting is that you read the back and it, it, it's kind of it's this really stream of consciousness stuff. It's kind of like uh, James Joyceian in terms of the way it's just this, Sarah is doing this. I'm doing this, and Sarah completes her stuff. Blah blah blah. blah. It's like. What? That's just the way most of the labels are, yeah, right? I mean, they say, Greg, we need 500 words for the back of the label. Uh-huh. Get it done in five minutes. And maybe he spends, spends 20 minutes on it, but... And it shows. It's their, it's their thing. It's their shtick. Yeah. But, I mean... The interesting thing, though, is you don't really get anything out of reading this. It, it's, it's just there as filler. Mm-hmm. Eh, whatever. It's poetry, man. It's freaking poetry. All right, so the beer pours kind of uh, orange with a touch of tan on it. The aroma is boozy. It's still fairly hoppy, I think, on the aroma. I like malty barley wines, not these hoppy West Coast ones. And even this 2014 release still has a fair amount of hops going in the nose. Where'd this come from? That's a good question. Probably came from Stone. Not sure. Again, we've had it for quite a while. Mm. <coughs> I mean, if anything is is a, you're able to keep it around and try it later, maybe a barley wine, mm-hmm. right? And for hoppy barley wines, like you would expect from Stone, 
I want to put some age on it to yeah. have the hops fade. Because for me, in barley wines, I want to taste the malty notes, the ox- you know, some good oxidation. I don't like super fresh Bigfoot. I like Bigfoot at about three or four years, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Old Guardian. Yeah, three or four years is like oh, right on the money for Bigfoot. It's yeah. it's amazing how well that that translates. I should say I don't prefer fresh Bigfoot. I think it's amazing once it gets three years on it. Pretty good in the flavor. Not too hoppy. I mean, there's a little bit of hops there, but you get a nice maltiness. Kind of zingy on the carbonation. Mm -hmm. Orange does come through, so there's still a fair amount of hops. I'm getting like this big orange blast on my tongue right now. And then it kind of turns, after the orange, it kind of get, goes back caramelly for me. A little phenolic. There's some spicy things coming in there. Actually, this reminded me a little bit of the ginger from uh, from the pumpkin one. Just in terms of the way it bites mm-hmm. at you. There's something that's a bit biscuity on it. The hops keep it from getting too sweet, but the hops are pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. And... They so they're giving you this. I, I think that's where that spice is coming from. That, um, because it is a little, a little, a little corn husky, maybe in terms of just okay. Some of the flavor qualities coming out of it. I hear you. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in because... It's bitter. Uh, yeah. As I drink it, the beer, the bitter is piling on. This is really... We don't... Did it say IBUs on the front? No. You said 80, right? 80 on the page. Yeah, I mean, this kind of has like an arrogant bastard bitterness to mm-hmm. it. It kind of builds... It's kind of um, abrasive. It's... That kind of bitterness is not something I prefer in a barley wine. You know, I've only had... Three or four sips. I've only had maybe two ounces of the beer, and now the, I'm starting to notice the bitterness already. Um, that, that that's not what I like. The very first uh, sentence on their page for their barley wine is: "Barley wines are traditionally hefty beers, but ours is downright excessive." I won't dispute that. Yeah. I think that's it's interesting because sort of like I was saying when you're talking about the fatheads, I'm glad it's out there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's something that I, I want. I'm glad that option is available to people, and uh, I do want to express that even if we don't necessarily like a beer, it doesn't mean that you won't like it. Sure. Hopefully, our descriptions will be able to tell you whether you'd like a beer, whether or not you agree with us, just mm-hmm. by the way that we were describing the beer. Right. I, I, I like that idea. Yeah, so the, this guy, that orange flavor is definitely carrying through. Has a pretty hefty bitterness. Uh, the bitterness kind of is more reminiscent of a kind of a pininess or something like that. Even though I'm not really tasting any kind of pine in the flavor. Yeah. It's a little more resiny. Um, the maltiness is... Uh, I don't want to describe that. It's... There's something that's a little bit cereal-like, you know. I mean, you know... I hesitate to say grape nuts because grape nuts is barley. 
but there's almost something that reminds me a little bit of like Super Golden Crisp as well. There's kind of a, a little bit of sweetness, like something like that. You mean grape nuts aren't the nuts of grapes? No. No? no they aren't. My whole life is a lie. <laughs> uh, that was interesting. All right. So um, we're not going to finish this show until you and I kick this three liters of three philosophers. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a big bottle. That is a big bottle. We're not, I'm joking. We're not going to open that. We're going to open that at some point where we can share that with a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> New Year's. <laughs> it seems like punishment. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I want punishment. I think I want uh, a reward. Mm. All right. So ranking time. Ranking time, ranking time, ranking time. Should I make a ditty uh. for ranking time? <laughs> I didn't. Maybe next time we'll find yeah. up a ditty for ranking time. But I do have one we can play while we're doing that. Let's see. So I'm looking at this stuff. I have a general idea. I th- yeah, I know what mine is. Do you want to uh, let me go first? Yeah, go for it. All right, so I'm going to have to put this... The... The fat jack at the bottom. Because uh, I'm just not a fan of spice beers. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of spice beers. I'm not a fan of spice beers. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to put it. This is this is the kind of spice beer that I'm not a fan of, and it's doubling down on it. And I think that even though it, I think it does a... It did an excellent job of being a beer you're not a fan of. Yes, I, that's precisely the point. The same thing could, could be said of the Old Guardian. It does an excellent job of being a beer I'm not a fan of. Uh, it's neither of them are bad beers, but I just think that the Stone is a little bit too abrasive for me. A little bit too okay. <laughs> Jeff is pointing out that that beer is a, the the Leafman's is eleven years old. Wow, it's a good <laughs> beer. <laughs> Said this was before the show started. That yeah, this was corked in two thousand four. Wow! All right, so the twenty fourteen Old Guardian, number four. Um, now you get the stuff that that I started to like. <laughs> that was these were all good, but this is stuff that I that I you know enjoyed having. I would say that the Saranac gets in the third place only because if it were colder, it would have gotten in second place. Uh, but it, we just didn't have the right temperature. Um, so I'm just going to put that in third with the qualifier that I think if we had it a little bit colder, it would have been a second. The Fatheads was good, but, I mean, if you're asking me if, if it's going to be the Fatheads versus Hop Hop, um, Headhunter, I would de- I would always go with Headhunter over this one, but I think it, it was good for what I was trying to do. And like I said, it was it was like if you got an arrogant bastard, didn't have all that all that overwhelming stuff that just left behind a sticky residue. So it was all yeah. the good parts of arrogant bastard, all the bad parts taken out. Okay, uh, which doesn't mean it's necessarily the the best IPA. It just means that that's that's what I think of it. But the, the Leafmans that was fantastic. That's pretty good. I, I completely enjoyed every aspect of it. I'm surprised it's that old. I'm surprised it's eleven year old beer. 
I mean, we've had it for five years, but yeah. I'm surprised that it was already six years old when we purchased it. Um, all right, for me, I'm going to start out the same as you. I'm going to put the Fat Jack in last place. It's a, it's a fine pumpkin beer, um, pumpkin spice, pumpkin pie beer, whatever Greg wants you know to to call. I'm just going to call it pumpkin beer. Uh, but it's again, it just follows that role of the idea of pumpkin beer is always better than the actuality of a pumpkin beer, and you know the other beers are better. I'm going to put the old Guardian in fourth place because for me it was still too bitter and too hoppy for a barley wine. I don't like West Coast barley wines mm-hmm. unless they have enough age on them. I don't prefer West Coast barley wines unless they have enough age on them. Uh, in third place, I'm going to put the Dark Turbofest. I <coughs> so I'm matching Greg exactly so far. Uh, I really think that it has some really interesting decocted type flavors, rich Munich malt flavors. Uh, yes, we did drink it too warm, but you know the other two beers, I'll paste it tonight. I'm gonna put the Leafmans in second place. Really good beer. Uh, it wasn't too cloying and too sweet. I got that. We'll play something here first. Then uh, it wasn't too cloying and too sweet. Uh, you can really get some of the tang. You get some really rich chocolate covered cherries. A little bit of tobacco. Really good. I'm gonna put the uh, Hopstalker in first place. It just it is a juicy, delicious uh, IPA, juicy, fresh hop IPA, and it really works for me. Uh, so Greg played his craft beer radio. Uh, Diddy, here's a quick one for me. America's Beer Show. There's a lot of vibrato. <laughs> Yes, the, the, a lot of these ditties yeah. seem to uh, have really computery v- vibrato voices. Yeah. I think they throw in vibrato whenever they're not sure how to pronounce right. something. All right, thank you everyone for listening to episode 354 of Craft Beer Radio. We really do appreciate when you take the time to listen. If you want to contact us, please contact us. Uh, Twitter is our favorite way of being contacted, at Craft Beer Radio, at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. You can email us, beer at craftbeerradio.com. And uh, that's about it. If you want to support the show, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Do it. Do it a lot. Do it often. And keep doing it. Really appreciate it. In the post show, we will do Craft Beer Anonymous or Amazon. Craft Beer Anonymous? No, that's another podcast, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, We're not going to do Craft Beer Anonymous. We're not going to do misogynistic. Um. We're going to do Amazon Anonymous and uh, go from there. Thanks, everyone. Okay, uh, th- by the way, this song is uh, from Proto Martyr. This is Why Does It Shake? Why Does It Shake? The body, the body, the body, the body. Why does it move? The fear, the fear, the fear. But why does it shake? <laughs>